Welcome to season two of Our Church, Our Stories, a Christ Church at Grow Farm podcast. This season, your hosts, Sam DeBracca and Ben Follett, are diving into the stories behind the ministries that make CCGF who it is. From the ministries sprung from the members and staff to our partners we have across the city and the planet, Christ Church strives to reach people with the gospel at home, at work, at school, and everywhere in between. These are the stories behind those ministries and the people God has called to fulfill them. Catch up on Season 1 and subscribe to Our Church, Our Stories online at ccgf.org slash podcast or wherever you find your podcasts. Here are Ben and Sam with our next story. Welcome back to another episode of Our Church, Our Stories. Sam DeBracca here with my good friend Ben Follett co-hosting. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and uh, tonight's very very special because we are, are talking to Jason Burt from Unaltered Ministries. And uh, Unaltered has gone through a few different shifts in the last few years, but and it was about to launch their, their new campaign, their new mission, uh, Saturday, right? Yeah, first announcement comes this Saturday. That's awesome. So, Jason, thank you so much for being here. And uh, first, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and then maybe kind of uh, shift into tell us a little bit about Unaltered and how it got to the point it is today. Sure. Well, um, yeah, my name is Jason Burt. I'm uh, married, wife, Heidi, four kids. I got a teenager now, which is a little freaky. That Holy happened cow. A month ago. And don't know how that happened, where the time went. Uh, my youngest just turned seven uh, about a week ago. So, um, yeah, we're in a cool season of life where they're very, very involved, lots of stuff going on, um, but also very like uh, nurturing time. Mm-hmm. Like we're actually in, more intentional about trying to Develop them in their faith while also uh, developing them as athletes. Is <laughs> how they look at it. It's all boys. No, you have one girl. I get three, three boys and one girl. Okay, yeah, boy, girl, boy, boy. The gr- and the girl is getting tougher by the day. Just beating the. Oh yeah. Oh, so it doesn't get easier after my twin three-year-old girls. Oh gonna... yeah, way easier. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's different. It's you know every you know bigger kids, bigger problems. But I'm not changing diapers, and that is pretty much. A you, win. Your yeah. kids don't sleep in your bed like mine do just about every night. My kids never slept in our my, my wife and I were like, uh-uh. They would come in, we're like, you, you're here for about 10 minutes, but unless you're throwing up, you're out of here. I feel like even if they're even when they are throwing up, you don't want them in the bed either. <laughs> no, no, because it's all in the bed. Yeah. yeah. That was once or twice I ended up sleeping in one of their beds. I'm like, you just stay in this and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I grew up in New England, uh, went to Grove City College, so moved down here, major in industrial management. Worked for a couple of years, Ryan Holmes, and then uh, in 2003, started working for, at the time, Silver Ring thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny, Denny Patton hired me. No clue what I was even going to do. He just said, hey, I think you're a fit here, and we'll figure out what you're going to do. And shortly in that time, I took over all the scheduling. We kind of ramped up from you know, maybe 10 to 12 events a year up to a couple of years later, started doing about 85 events all over the country, and then eventually even all over the world. So pretty cool experience. Never thought I would go from building houses to talking to students about not having sex, but that's God, you know, I mean, how he works in our lives. Um, So, you know, but I mean, the whole purity culture, purity movement, you know, that was early 2000s and started to, you know, decrease. And we were still trying to ride that out and carrying the message. And we'd expanded. Uh, We started talking more about depression, anxiety and loneliness, all different kind of, you know, cultural teen issues. But our name pigeonholed us into this purity movement idea. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt in 2016, I became the president, knew it was time to transition things, took it a little bit. And uh, in January of 2019, we transitioned and and kind of rebranded to become Unaltered Ministries. Mm -hmm. And the idea is just leading students to fullness of life within God's unaltered design. So, but 
what I can say in that even is that it, it really felt like when Jesus talked about no one takes a new wine and puts it in an old wine skin, it's kind of like what we did. Like we didn't really yeah. listen very well because we rebranded something. It, it was a cool look. It was an expanded mission, but we put it right back in the same exact container. The same it, format. You're talking about yeah, the, the, like the, the live events. events yeah, right. doing 80 events a year and just trying to enter into communities, raising up teams, having all this equipment. And honestly, that model, um, it was a dying model, not just for us, but for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like the benchmarks of that I look for, like Acquire the Fire, Revolve Tour, Dare to Share, like they were gone. Huh. And yeah. that, that model just, I mean, getting students to come out to events, we found out from leaders, they were all like, man, it is so hard to get our kids to come out to anything. So we got to be so choosy about what the, we, the word they said is we only, we only have so many asks. So it's not like before, it's like, hey, we go to stuff like every month we're doing something. Now it's like, we only get so many asks, we have to be very... So if we came to your thing last year, we're probably not coming for a couple more years, mm. you know? And so it was just getting more, more and more difficult. And um, kind of what led... I mean, COVID came and obviously just killed live event industry. Yeah. You know, um, we canceled our tour. We were prayerful, hopeful that we'd relaunch in the fall. Obviously, that did not happen. And uh, we had to meet as a staff and kind of, we, I mean, we had all the talent and all of the equipment and everything to position into digital ministry. Like mm-hmm. we could make videos and just create an online presence and maybe create discipleship stuff. And, but everyone on our staff and myself included just did not feel called to that whatsoever. And so we, uh, we entered into a kind of suspension period. You know, we, we could have said, okay, it's been 25 years, literally 2020 was 25 year anniversary of mm-hmm. Silver Ring thing and then unaltered. So we could have just shut the doors and said it's been a great run, but all of our board members and everyone said just just pause. Like all bad decisions are made in haste. So let's see where this goes. And um, for about six months, I mean, I was like struggling because I'm praying for clarity, praying, asking God for wisdom and vision. And I, all I really kept hearing was just just be patient, just just wait, just see what I'm teaching you during this season. And then coming into 2021, I just got really, really passionate about a new kind of renewed vision for the ministry that really, I think, meets meets the need of today. And it's more of a, what we call like a discipleship transformative journey, taking students through a 12-week journey of learning and doing uh, what Christ calls us to do. So it's a, it's a discipleship learn and live model that is really raising up disciples and fulfilling the Great Commission. And so... That's kind of the new the new plan is to kind of raise team and more of a develop them as opposed to going out. You're, you're bringing people in to raise them up rather than sending your own people out to give events and kind of give testimonies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, like what, what we found over the years is like, you know, we, we brought in a team every year. We recruited a team. They were with us for about a year. We'd send them out. And I always felt like our, our ministry was to the team. Their ministry was to the world. Okay. Okay. And, but we spent a lot of time developing the team on how to run AV production, sound, lighting, video, how to run credit card machines and, you know, do all this different stuff and not really just teaching them how to, how to hear and obey Mm -hmm. (laughs) the word of God, like how to, and so, but what we found out was that was a byproduct. We were really like raising up and building disciples. And if you look at where a lot of our team members would ultimately launch and go into from us, we're like, Man, that's pretty awesome. Like they're they're stepping into some high levels of leadership and ministry. Like, and then God just kind of gave me that freedom that said, "What if I just What if I just allowed you to? That's all you had to do. Just raise, yeah. Team, just train disciples. Just train up. them up. Yeah. Just we we need laborers. We need people in the harvest that are out there fulfilling that. This is what hit me um, a couple months ago. I read a report from Barna that said 
51% of churchgoers have never heard of the Great Commission. I heard that. Amy told me that. <laughs> yeah. Well, even worse, that same reports that only 10% of millennials have ever heard of it. And that is the parting words of Jesus. Say, go and make disciples. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Like, right. and we're not, if we're not doing, if we don't even know what that is, then how are we fulfilling it? Yeah. And so that age group, that 18 to 24, 25 years old is such a ripe time when students are coming out of high school, they're experiencing the world, they're asking the right questions, they're they're not just kind of in church because their their parents made them or anything like that. They're, they're genuinely seeking, and that's what we found, man. They they came in initially to our ministry thinking that they just couldn't wait to share their testimony and travel and do these events, but really we just found out they they just want to be poured into. Yeah. They were hungry to to make a difference. I think that's great about this generation. It's very purpose driven, and so that's that's our mission. Instead of recruiting people for a year, we're looking at these twelve week kind of internship. Uh, intensives, whatever you want to call them, where it mixes both uh, an understanding of the Word and teaching in like some core Christian theology, but then it's a really close examination of the life of Christ. Like, how, what did Jesus do, and what did He say, and that's what we're going to live by. Because that's what He said, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. What did He actually command us, and how do we live that out? Using the Bible as our authority. And then the uniqueness of it is, it's an exposure. Our whole desire is to kind of learn and apply. Mm-hmm. So, we want to teach you in a little morning, maybe one morning, a little bit about evangelism. Like, what does it look like to share your faith in today's culture? That'll be like the morning Devo teaching. And then we're going to jump on the bus, we're going to drive out of the city, and we're going to partner with YWAM. Or we're going to partner with uh, PKN or any other ministry. See how, Then we're going to come back, and next day we're going to do it again with a different ministry. And we're going to come back and then do it again. So giving you this learn and live model of experiencing it, growing in it. And then week two of that, we're going to jump on the bus, and now we're going to go to... Uh, Nevada, and we're going to go with the uh, Navajo Nation and serve with the Indian tribes and just witness Jesus. And so we're going to give, over this 12-week period, a huge picture of how you can serve both evangelistic and youth and humanitarian and maybe construction, ministry, all these things, and at the end, discern, where did you come alive? Mm. Like, what? how has God like purposed you and informed you, according to that, like Ephesians 2, that we're all His workmanship— we're creating Christ Jesus to do good works. He prepared those in advance. So what are those for you, and how can we then like help send you into that space? Interesting. That, that's really cool because I feel like, you know, I, I mean, I've been to plenty of Silver Ring thing events. We've been to some both as a teen growing up in Pittsburgh and also being, you know, a, a high school, you know, working with the high school kids, have, seeing them here and stuff like that. And, and so it's really cool to see you know, as a young high schooler, you know, going to those events, seeing like the people that were in high school are just a little bit older than me at that point mm-hmm. being, you know, kind of looking up to them, but also thinking to myself, I don't really have that story. Like, that's not something I could do, even though I feel like I could be good at that. I couldn't do that because that's not my story, right? Like the, the purity thing's just not my, it just wasn't my story. It is something I, you know, didn't struggle with or whatever, but hearing now about like, and this is, as you were talking, I was thinking about all the way, like, what are you guys going to do? Like, you're training these guys up, but then you're like, we're going to go here and here and here and here and here. And so like that, that like drinking from the fire hose of like all <laughs> these different ministry opportunities, ways you can serve, and maybe even ways that people would never even consider. Like you brought right. up the, you know, go to New Mexico and stuff like that. And that may light somebody's fire. And now you're, place, you're replacing ministry or missionaries in these places where they would have never, ever in a million years had exposure to. And that, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's that's awesome, and that's I think 
the actual heart of what the Great Commission is, right? Absolutely. You got You have to have exposure. I think of my own journey, like when I attended here at Christ Church years ago, I was in a season, I was unemployed for a little bit. Pastor Ed uh, Glover actually preached a sermon about being fat, about being faithful, available, and teachable. He, probably, <laughs> he talked about just kind of saying yes to opportunities. I was discerning a call in my life, and I said yes to everything. I was singing in the choir, and I can't really sing that well. I was in the youth group. I was in the uh, men's work ministry where every guy was over 70 years old. I was 24 at the time, you know, uh, everything. And, but it was exposure that helped me discern when this opportunity came along for traveling to, with Silver Ink thing to Minnesota. I said, I would have never said yes to that before. Right. Like, same with you. I'd be like, that's not really my thing. But I said yes because I was in a season of faithfulness. And man, then God took that. And it's been 18 years of my life now where I love it. And I would never take it back. So I think that the model we're developing that we're calling it like discover, develop, deploy want to help in this season discover, first of all, like who God is and who he created you to be. What are those gifts and talents and abilities, this, even the spiritual gifts he put inside of you? Then use these weeks to then develop some of those things. See what comes alive. You know, if maybe you have gifts in administration or serving or telling or sharing, whatever it might be. And then ultimately our mission is to deploy. Like we want to then send you out from here so that, you know, this is, I view it as like, this is the appetizer. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to make the full meal. Uh, there's ministries that are doing some great stuff. You can do a CCO. You can do a year-long fellowship, Urban Impact. You can do a, fellow, a lot of places you can do more of a year-long or a lifetime. You know, think of CCO like becoming a campus minister where you're there indefinitely. You know, that's not what we're going to do. I want to send people into those places. Right. I want to be I want to be the appetizer, give you all the variety and realize there's ministry in the walls of the church, there's ministry out of the walls of the church, and how are we all called to fulfill that great commission? I love that you're describing it as like an internship. It gives it a very clear beginning and end, and just like here's 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 what we want to accomplish. In the, it gives you a time frame to work within, mm-hmm. and I feel like that helps to achieve a lot of the goals that you're going to set too. For like, all right, week one we're going to do this, week two we're going to do this, and like, I, I think it's I think it's a wise move because, uh, yeah. It, it helps you kind of formulate a plan a little bit better. That's, well, that's smart. And I also wonder, you know, myself, just in my in my working life, you talked about, you know, last year, you know, events just went away and stuff like that, right? I mean, that was a lot of being in sales and marketing. It's like, oh, see you later, you know? And so like a lot of the things that we did. And so, you know, you start to think about how we, how we measure success differently, right? Mm-hmm. And so I know a lot of times when we would attend events or we would show up places, our measured success would be how much how much sales do we get out of this event? Or how many people do we meet? Or how many business cards did I walk away with, right? And I can imagine there's a, a pathway in, in, in the brain when we're looking at, you know, from an unaltered, okay, how many how many people did showed up at our event, right? right. And you were talking about these yep. youth pastors and so, and or how much merch did we sell or whatever, right? Because those are the things that keep the lights on. But at the end of the day now, like Sam was talking about, it's so intentional in saying like, listen, our goal isn't numbers or like reaching kids for this explicit purpose. It is, you know, those three D's that you talked about. Mm-hmm. And then really, really the goal is what comes after the 12 weeks. Yeah. Right. right. It's yeah. it's what's next. Yep. Right. And how can you, how, what place are you on fire in a way that you want that to be your next thing and you're excited about it? You're not burnout. You're not run down. You're not needing to break from whatever just happened, you are on fire for what's next and what the Lord's going to do in your life. Yep. Well, somebody, um, you know, you hear that phrase, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Mm. You know, and this has become like God has been doing a work, first and foremost in me, like just give me a deep passion towards like just just raising up disciples. Like really, uh, I, I was talking with a friend a little while back and uh, we were talking about this and he said, you know, the Bible never talks about making believers. It talks about making disciples. Mm. The demons believe. Satan believes, right? 
So what's the difference between us and him? If we're not doing the things that we're commanded to do, he said, basically, if you're not out there, discipleship is all about multiplication. And if you are not multiplying yourself into the life of other people, you know, Jesus had 12, but then he even had his core three. He was reproducing his life in others. And if you're not doing that, you're no greater value to the kingdom than Satan is. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, that hurts. Like, that was straight between the eyes. And I, like, so that kind of haunted me a little bit. And then, but this is then really got me. It was like a day later, I'm outside, I'm mowing the lawn. And I, and I just kind of hear this whisper that said, actually, Jason, you're of less value to me. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he said, you know, Satan pushes people too far. He pushes them in addiction. He pushes them in despair. He pushes them in loneliness. We're just like the prodigal son. They hit the bottom. And the only way to look up, they look up and find Jesus. I mean, that was my story, my own story. Like, I was, I was living a party lifestyle in New Jersey where God got a hold of me, not because someone was discipling me, but because I finally hit rock bottom in emptiness where I just... I heeded the voice of God. When he said, let's go, I followed. Mm. So I'm in the kingdom now because Satan didn't know when to stop. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, really, if I think about it, so I'm like, there's a lot of people that'll be there because he didn't know how to stop because his mission is to still kill and destroy. He's the deceiver. He doesn't know how to not do that. Right. So if I am not trying to produce disciples out of what God's given me, then I'm, a, I'm really not of much greater value. I'm not talking about salvation. We're right. saved. Right, right, right. I'm talking about value to the kingdom mission yeah and that convicted me through and through well you think about and we talk sam and i talk about this just church-wide a lot right and you always hear the the numbers that get thrown around that you know you know 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work and stuff like that and right and i feel like the people that you're talking about building are we don't want i mean we do want right we want people in the doors but we want we want that number to change we want it to be 30 percent or 40 percent of the people doing the work or half the people doing the work because we don't want to look around in the pews and say, gosh, I don't really know anybody because, you know, people aren't aren't involved, right? They're coming, they're checking off their church box on a Sunday morning or whatever, but they're not, you know, I, I've been super convicted and, uh, you know, about some children's ministry stuff lately after what Craig said from the pulpit, you know, two weeks ago. And it's like, I want people to feel the same way, right? I want them to feel like I need to get, I need to get in. And so right. I think that that's, you know, what you're talking about is not just, you know, and, and we talk about it in, in ministry all the time too. It's like, I don't want to just create, you know, I don't want to be lukewarm for the faith. They're like, yeah, I'm saved, but you know, I'm still kind of wavering. A casual Christian. Right. I'm a casual, like, like I was in high school. Like I yeah. think a lot of the kids that I deal with are in high school. Like it wasn't until I got to college where you talk about making your own choices and being on your own a little bit and discovering who you are by yourself, not under the guise of your parents and being like, okay, this is truly what I want because, you know, I've been you know, guided or driven in a certain direction. And now that's changed my life to the point where right. now I want to figure, I want to find a ministry that I can do, right? I right. seek it out. That's what I love. I know Craig is, you know, really introduced this, but I mean, kind of the mission of the church here that every mem- <laughs> every member ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, people, you got to realize that is not for the benefit of the church. That is the benefit of you. Right. And there, there's a book I read years ago called Head, Heart, and Hands. And it kind of looks at, you know, this combination of your, you know, you know, the really spiritual maturity and formation is this balance of head, which is the knowledge of God, your heart, which is your worship and your, your emotion toward God, but then hands, it's serving. And you got to think about them as like a table, like a multiplicative, multiplicative table. So if I'm a five in the head and a five in the heart and a one in my hand serving, five times five times one is only 25. You know, if I'm five times five times zero, if I'm not serving anywhere at all, guess what? My spiritual growth is going to be stunted, maybe even backsliding. Mm. Because we were, we came in in the image of Jesus, like in his model, who we came to serve and not be served. 
So if we're not doing that, we're going to be stunted. So you worry, you're wondering about like, man, I go to church, I listen to podcasts, I do this, but I'm just not growing in my faith. Get out and start serving people. Yeah. We're created to solve problems and serve people. Get so to when work. you do that, and then all of a sudden, you know, eight times eight times eight, maybe you're engineer guys, you're better at the math, but it's way better yeah. than yeah. that. <laughs> a lot. Whatever, a whatever lot 64 more. times eight is. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more. I mean, we're in the 500 somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, and that's spiritual growth. Yeah. If you don't have that balance, you're going to be, you're yeah. just going to be stunted. You're not going to see the fruit you want to see. Let's, uh, let's circle back to, it's still going to be called unaltered, right? Yep. Okay. I think yep. that, I, I like that. Um, Let's talk more about this team. Who who are the people that you were trying to bring in? Who who are you attracting? So the goal is we want to draw in each time kind of like uh, internship groups or cohorts, whatever you want to call them, of about 12 people at a time. Mm-hmm. Ideally, six guys, six girls. If it goes five and seven, it'll be okay. But sure. Six guys, six girls for each one of these 12-week sessions. So first one will be this fall from August 30th through November 19th. Next year, then we have three, kind of a you know spring, summer, fall semester. Now that's... Our plans, man, if God breathes on this, sure. we may end up like launching new teams concurrently. It might be like April 1, May 1, June 1, you know, um, because the need is there. Mm-hmm. It's certainly there. And the and the opportunity is there. So, And there, it's not just local. You're going to looking for people from all over. Yep. We'll we're going to go right back into, I mean, we used to get probably about 100 applications a year for people that wanted to travel on our tour team. Okay. Um, when it was like kind of peak running. I mean, it, it, it kind of dropped off from there recently, but... Um, so we're going to first tap back into that, all of our email lists, social media, everything like that. People who have inquired or are interested, and then um, through partnership and things like that, just see see where God takes it. That's and awesome. what's the is the age group generally the same that you're looking at that that developing and building up? Yeah, like kind of 18 to 24, 25. I think that's the goal. That college young adult group age is uh, that's where we've seen kind of the most fruit. If you get too wide a range, I don't want to have a you know, forty-year-old hanging out with the eighteen-year-old on a bus sometimes. Sure. Know? Yeah. No, it makes <laughs> what could all go sense. wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. what, what could go wrong? That's why, that's why I won't be traveling all the time either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. And so, uh, what else was I ask? Um, these partnerships you have with different, you know, doing stuff with um, Pittsburgh Youth Network, yeah. and um, uh, how how did you come across these these connections? So, I mean, the city of Pittsburgh is awesome in terms of the kind of ecumenical faith history background, the vision for the city. You guys may have heard the vision of make Pittsburgh more famous for God than for steel. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, you know, by God's grace, I mean, he has granted me a lot of like incredible relationships with awesome ministry leaders. And um, we, as a ministry, we've never been a threat to anybody because everything that we were doing was kind of national. And we weren't like here in Pittsburgh competing for people, competing for resources. And so I, I've got a really good relationship with some people that just want to help disciple the next generation. They want to speak into that. And it's not just ministry places, too. You know, we want to, in the middle of this, we, we've got one week in the middle that's kind of a gap between all the traveling. And we're going to focus in in that week on the seven mountains of influence, those areas of culture that if you impact, you know, religion and business and arts and entertainment, all these things. So what we'll do that week is actually partner with business leaders and Christian business leaders and go down and visit maybe someone who's running a marketing company or an ad agency or a, a news network or things like that. How do you how, because ministry is just who you are, where you are. Mm-hmm. It's a, the, the myth is that you have to work for a church or a 501c3 yeah. to be a ministry. Ministry yeah. is what you guys are doing right now. You're not employed to be here. You know what I mean? So I think what we want to do... we don't do, get paid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Checks in the mail. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to Craig on Thursday. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> 
So I think, you know, helping them understand that too, because we're not assuming that everyone has to go into vocational ministry. Marketplace ministry is just as important. We need people in business, in finance, in engineering, all these places who carry a a, a discipleship and Christ-centered mentality into all those places. Yeah. Oh, amen. I mean, that's given, I mean... I mean, what you've been talking about is getting me fired up, but now I'm even more fired up because this is something that, you know, I've never been felt like strongly called to be in like vocational ministry, right? But I've been in enough companies and seen enough things and see God work in companies that, you know, I work for a California company and my, my, my the CEO of our company is a Christian. And yeah. like to see how that changes the way that she runs our business and the way that we do things is just, it, it's, it's mind blowing. And right. And to be able to have that level of, you know, conversation when it needs to happen is great. And so like to see these kids that are maybe trying to discover what their life looks like, whether it's vocational ministry or to see like, listen, I can be a Christian and do just as much for the kingdom as using my marketing degree or using my engineering degree or using my advertising degree or, you know, being on, you know, being on the news desk at a news station, whatever that is, right. I think can be incredibly encouraging. And like you're saying, giving them all this experience over this wide swath of things so that, they make a decision that fits their that fits the need, fits their passion, and also fits you know what they're good at, right? That's, yeah, if you look at uh, like when people graduate college right now, I think the, the the numbers it's 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 astronomical. It's like when you graduate college, the average person has eleven career changes now. <laughs> I mean, and and not only that, but kids who are coming out of high school into college, you know what the the leading major is now for people to to choose? Undecided. They just don't know. People have no clue, yeah. and I think even more so. Unfortunately, we've kind of we have grown up in a little bit of the helicopter parenting generation. Yeah, there has been the effort to really shield our children from any kind of hurt and harm and injury, from any kind of mistakes. You know, we've participation trophies. Everyone, you know, everyone's a winner. All this kind. So there's been a lot of like sheltering, and then all of a sudden, kids graduate high school, they go to college, and it's like, okay, you're off on your own. Go figure it out. Oh and they gosh. are they have no idea. scared to death to make the wrong choice. Yeah. So why don't they declare a major? Because what if I pick the wrong one? My life will be forever ruined. You know, and and, th- and then they pick the wrong job. And, and then as soon as they hit any kind of like a, a wall or difficulty, they just quit and go to a different one because the grass is greener. And yeah. so our, our whole thing really is, uh, I love, Frederick Buchner has this, uh, or Buchner has this quote. He says, the place, God, the place God calls you to be is where your deepest gladness and the world's deepest hunger meet. I kind of paraphrase that to basically say, where God calls me is where my passion, my passion and the world's pain collide. Yeah. We find that if we help discern that early, maybe someone will get a 10-year jump on where they ultimately end up. Yeah. And imagine how much more fruit and productivity and everything that will produce by not just hopping around all over the place. Do you anticipate that um, most of your, so, um, I'm going to anticipate the wrong word. Are you guys going to be on the road most of the time or are you going to be kind of local training most of the time or is it going to be training on the road? I so guess. I think out of the goal is out of that 12-week period, right now the way we have it scripted out, this fall will be somewhat of a pilot. But, I mean, we've right. been around it a lot to see kind of – and I've and I've been, man, just getting a lot of counsel and feedback from people of – you know, people have done similar things or run fellowships, anything like that. Um, I think the goal right now is that there will be at least four weeks where we're actually out okay. like on the road. And who knows where it'll be, whether it be to Florida, because part of that experience is to be traveling together. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it builds community. It builds just excitement. It's it's different. You know, again, I'll, I want to keep the, the element of surprise going a little bit. You know, we talked about we're going to throw in some like random acts of kindness days. I want to just jump on the bus, drive down and, 
you know, maybe start giving out snow cones down in Pittsburgh somewhere. You know, just random things of just incorporating just how, how we can serve and love people better. Yeah. Um, so I see four weeks where we're gone, like out of the region, kind of into our, you know, Samaria ends of the earth idea. Yeah. But Pittsburgh's going to be our Jerusalem. And so it'll be, a lot of the time will be kind of learn and live. So we'll learn, do some training here, and we'll go down. And I'm going to partner with as many ministries as we possibly can to get exposure. Because at the end, maybe a kid says, man, I, I just served the homeless down at Light of Life. I want to invest into them. Yeah. I saw what World Vision's doing here, distributing stuff all over the world. I, w- I want to get a job there. You know, yeah. whatever we can do to bring exposure, that's what I think unity in the body looks like. And I think you mean, you just said like it's an appetizer. It's, I mean, and I, I think it's, I, I love it. It's like a, I think more like a buffet. Mm-hmm. And these are, yeah. they're, they're not, the people, these these fellows, they're not committing to any one thing in particular. They're just, hey, here's, here's this program, here's this ministry. And you said it best, like, you know, you're not competing with any of these ministries either. Right. You are, you are helping. I want to be a resource. Yeah. yeah you're, 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 I mean, you're spring training. Yeah. yeah. You're, I'm being, I want to be a resource. Yeah. Too. That's why I, w- I would love as many ministries to come to say, listen, I'm not going to like, even if you have your own people and send them our way, we're just going to have them for 12 weeks. I am not creating a program beyond that. Right. So that's one of my commitment to people is like, I have no, if God changes something, that's up to him. But as of right now, there is no vision. So at the end of 12 weeks, I'm not going to say, oh, come along and you can do more with us. Stay right. here forever. No, no, no. This our ceiling is now your new floor. Right. Launch from there and go. Yeah. Right. We've, we've given you all these resources. You've made all these contacts. Yep. What have you? What did you like? Go. Go check it out. Well, now you're too. Now also, I mean, I, I imagine this has to be a little bit different than the way th- people kind of came through the unaltered silver ring thing kind of team before. In that, like, you're giving them potentially the opportunity to now get plugged into like very specific Pittsburgh ministries. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where now. You know, and selfishly, listen, I live in Pittsburgh. I want to see these Pittsburgh ministries do great things and continue to grow and continue to explode. Like we talked to Mark from YWAM. He's like, we just need people to show up on Sunday morning so we can talk to refugee kids. Like we just need help. Right. Right. And so whoever wants to show up whenever they want to show up. And so now, you know, you may have, you may be bringing kids out from, you know, wherever all over the country and they decide, well, heck. I love this ministry. I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh. Right. Now I'm a Pittsburgher. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the For goal. Whatever. I, yeah. I, think, I think Pittsburgh is unique. I think Pittsburgh is a city on a hill. Yeah. I really think there's a movement of God happening in the city of Pittsburgh. There, I think there's revival that's coming. There's a lot of ministry. There, there is more a sense of, of unity now that, you know, by this the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I think there's more of a locking arms, let's do more together than what we do alone. And, and I really think that's our goal is I've always done that. You know, how God has prepared me for this is for 18 years, I've just been doing like partnerships. Every time you do an event, you got to figure out how do I get a win-win out of this that everybody wants to come and work together and, you know, get over denominational differences and this and this and this and, and get them to come together. So so that's my DNA. It's yeah. like, I just, I want to be a blessing to you and you and you. And, it, and then the more we can resource those, the more, you, and then the more you help other people, the more they want to help turn around and be a support to you too. I feel like you're alluding to the Three Rivers Initiative a little bit. Do you want to touch on bit. that? Yeah. So, I mean, God started stirring in my heart, you know, again, this vision, make Pittsburgh more famous for God than for steel. That goes back to the, you know, 50s, 60s, Sam Shoemaker. Um, and I think it's a vision that a lot of leaders have carried in their hearts over the years. And to me, like God started stirring me in that and I didn't know why, cause I'm, I'm a Boston kid. Like mm-hmm. I'm a Patriots fan still. Okay. Still, even with the losing season, it's funny. What I found <laughs> is you have a losing season and everybody likes you again. Yeah. So up until now I was hated fiercely. And then Tom Brady left and we didn't make the playoffs and people were like, Oh, you're cool. You're okay. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the whole vision of that, again, it's the same idea to 
love God, love our city, love one another. Um, I'm not saying that the days of the big evangelistic crusades and things like that are done. I think there's a place and a time for all those things. But I think it's more so in this time and in the place that we're in now, it's our, we're called to, in the body, a unique love for one another, different than how I'm called to love the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that love that is empowered through the Holy Spirit that Jesus kind of alluded to is selfless, it's sacrificial, that when I love you guys uniquely and the world sees that, they're going to go, what the heck is that? I want that. How do I get that? Right. And that type of evangelism is more exampled by the selfless and sacrificial commitment. So I think as a city, as we see people coming together and kind of creating a strategy towards that through events, through serving, through kind of laying down our own kind of little K kingdoms for the kingdom. Yeah. Um, that's what the whole initiative is about. Just really trying to get ministry, ministry leaders and churches all functioning and going in the same direction to do something that's famous. Like yeah. what if we said, when I say you're famous, like I'm not famous in my own home because my kids all know me. I'm famous if someone in Dallas knows me. Okay. For Pittsburgh to be famous, the body of Christ needs to do something that's a little bit fame-worthy. So what if we could say, hey, there's no orphans in Pittsburgh? Mm. Or, hey, Pittsburgh, the city of second chances. You Have you lost all up? Come here. We'll take care of you. Who? The city? The governor? No. The body of Christ. The church. The church. Yeah. The big, we're, the big we're, C. We're collaborating together. No orphans in our city. What if we could say no one involuntary sleeps on the, in the, in the sidewalk in our city. There, there are people who are voluntarily homeless. They want to be there. But what if there's no one and who does that? It's the, that's famous. Yeah. And we can do that. That's the mission of the church. But we're too often kind of going in our own directions than to just think strategically together about what are some ways that we can collaborate that we don't, that we don't d- divide on theology or denominational kind of differences or style of worship or speaking in tongues or any of those things. Right. I love that. I love the the the, the grand uh, picture. I think a lot of people are discouraged by kind of you know what they see in the news and like, well, it's too bad. What mm-hmm. what can what can we do? But you know, we as individuals can't do anything. And you know, we add God to that. Like you know, when you add the collective body of Christ to that. Like you can actually get to you can get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And you just have to kind of work together and make a plan. And uh, I, I love I love. Every time I've heard Amy talking about the Three Rivers Initiative and, and kind of your passion for it, it's been something that I've really been excited to hear about. But it, it also plugs into something that you said way earlier, which is like if, you know, you're talking about yourself as a, as a believer, right? If you're not doing that serving part, you're, you're basically, you know, stagnant or dying, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know, faith-wise. And so, you know, all of this stuff is not like, you know, I, I think about the things that happen in the church. I think about the things that got like that reached me when I was a kid or was in high school or even in college and stuff like that. They weren't these like big, like mountaintop, like level things. They were like the little things that I noticed from kids in their lives or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, people that are discipling me in their lives and stuff like that or seeing. And so like when we when we serve in that way, right, and we meet people where they are, mm-hmm. right, and and show up in ways in our in our local community because it's funny that we're talking about this because Sam and I have been talking about this a ton as well without me having any idea what you're talking <laughs> about, which is like okay, God is moving. But you know, when we get people to show up, and I think that's also the thing that excites me too, is because so many people think serving God is got to be this big thing, right? I've got to have this, I have to have this big idea, and I've got to, and, and there are people for that, right? But it's just just show up. And be yourself yeah. and be a kind person yeah. and just 
love on other people and lend a helping hand right. and, you know, yep. do those sorts of things. And people will come back and be like, man, like that, those people from Christ church are like, wow, th- those people, like I, I showed up in Pittsburgh and I, this thing happened and these kids were giving me snow cones, whatever that looks like that, that leaves a lasting impression. Yeah. Right. And that, that will bring people back to thinking about it, remembering it. And, and then even if the impact the next time is not in city of Pittsburgh or is not by Christchurch or whatever, that, that builds on something. And that something then leads to, you know, someone, you know, being a part of the kingdom. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think, unfortunately, in our, in our culture, like our Christians are defined by division and hate. And people think of us as hypocritical, as judgmental, as all these things. And Jesus says, like, you'll be defined by love, mm-hmm. by your love. And so, I mean, I, and I love, I think it's 1 Corinthians, I think it's 520, where he says, we are Christ's ambassadors as if God were making his appeal through us. That's weight. I mean, you think about that, like, so literally, like, I'm an ambassador, like, I'm the stand-in representative of Jesus. God is making his appeal to the world through me. So through me, I can example to all those who are lost and broken that God is love, that he is just, that he is merciful, that he is forgiving. Not all the things that we get characterized. But, but to do that, you got to often meet a tangible need before you can bring a spiritual need you know mm-hmm. like you gotta that's why i love like you, we doing these food distributions here at christ church you know every other thursday because we're meeting a tangible need that's showing first and foremost you just care and love for someone which opens the door then to to really go to the deeper spiritual need of like yeah we're all broken in in need of redemption in the gospel yeah i mean it this i remember one of the most influential things that anybody has ever said to me is Jared and, I, Jared Ott and I were having a phone conversation once and he said, you have to earn the right to tell people about Jesus. Absolutely. And I'll never, like, I'll never forget it. And it's something that drives me a lot. When we think, when we talk about the division, we talk about how, you know, Christians can be looked as judgmental and, you know, well, the Bible says this, and that means I can't love this person. Or I have to judge this person or this person can't walk in the doors of my church. Right. Like there's too much of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And not enough of, well, God called us to love first mm-hmm. and then, and, and, and then nothing like, and then after that we'll deal with the rest. Right. Yeah. But God caught us to love and serve and meet needs before we ever get the opportunity to get, bring somebody into the kingdom. And then, okay, now you're a part of the kingdom. Now there's, there's iron sharpening iron. And now there's, you know, being able to call people out when their breasts stink and all those sorts of things. But <laughs> you can't do it for those people that don't, that you've never met before. Right. right. That can't be the way that you try to bring people in a kingdom because nobody responds to threats. Right. Right. And nobody's going to respond to, well, you're wrong. So I'm right. Come on this side. Like, that's yeah. not the way that it works. Right. Yeah. It's truth without grace. And it's just, you know, Jesus came full of grace and truth. So I don't know if you guys have, have you guys watched all the, the Chosen series? Uh, a little bit. I've okay. watched a part of one episode. You got to watch it. You know, I mean, there are some, <laughs> there is some Hollywood AK artistic Washington. license, everything like that, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the biggest thing I gained out of it is number one, the humanity of the disciples, which is really cool. But beyond that is the compassion of Jesus, just the way that he just looked at people. It was so disarming. It was no judgment. It was just compassion. It was so real and authentic. And I, and I watched the guy who plays that character. And I'm like, if I can do that better, you know, because it was the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and all the sinners that wanted to be around him. But he never shied from truth. Right. So, I mean, even the wom- woman that was caught in adultery, he even he says, neither do I condemn you, but, but go and sin no more. He wasn't afraid to call out the fact that hey, what you're doing is not going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. So don't do that anymore. But I don't condemn you. And so, man, we gotta we gotta have both because too oftentimes we just we just want to slap the truth on things and preach morality, which is not the same as preaching the gospel. You mm. don't preach morality to people who don't know Jesus. Yeah. Because there's no Holy have- Spirit to stir conviction and. 
and grow. And they have no, yeah, and they have no reason to, they, you know, believe. They have no reason to take what you're saying as truth. Right. Well, and also, you know, we we read scripture and we read biblically and about what you were talking about the way that Jesus did this, and that's you know, we we want to be vessels. We want to be instruments for the Lord, and we want the Lord to speak through us. And those those judging, those condemnation, that's not the way that the Lord would talk to people yeah. about speaking those things. And he was the ultimate authority on those things. And so like, where do we get off thinking that we can actually, that's the way that we're going to bring yeah. people into the church, right? Yeah. It doesn't work. Nope. Yeah. And so. Um, I think we're running out of time, but so yeah. Uh, Jason, let's, let's circle back to unaltered. Yes. How can, how, so when this is launched, people, your, your publications will have gone out and, you know, announcing all of this, this new, not branding, but new mission, so to speak. Is yep. that, is that accurate? Uh, how can people get involved? Um, what can they do? And um, you know, how can you yeah, how can you use there'll people? Be, there'll be a variety. I mean, we are looking for, um, you know, ultimately we're looking for some housing for people. We don't want to live in like in host families this time. We want to find like community housing. So I'd like to have all guys in one place, all girls in another place. Worst case scenario, I gotta rent something off Airbnb. I know a guy whose wife. Does, oh wait, that's yours. Never mind. <laughs> so okay, so. Um, but beyond that, like I, I, again, this exposure idea, I want to give as many people the opportunity to speak into, you know, these, these people's lives and serve also, because in order to learn how to serve well, you also have to experience that. So maybe people can help serve by providing some meals Mm -hmm. for some of these team members along the way, coming in, bringing in a a dinner one night when they're training, maybe speaking to them, sharing a little bit about their own lives and their faith and just encourage those kind of things. Certainly prayer. You know, um, anytime you step into really the mission of Jesus, the the Satan, you know, the enemy comes at you even stronger. So praying for uh, our team as we're rebuilding, uh, for myself, for our families, and and also largely for the for the students who will come and apply it to be part of this, that they would walk in purity and truth too, and not get slipped up by being surrounded by 10 or 11 other people that they could be attracted to. That was always been a challenge. Uh, financially, you know, we are going to, you know, it's, it will take resources to get all that done. So people will be able to give. And, um, but I'm, I'm just excited. Like I said, it's when, when God's really been leading through this whole thing and there's been a lot of confirmation along the way that, um, that he's going before us in it. So it's more exciting to step into something that I feel like that he is doing rather than trying to create something and asking him to bless it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And they can get all this on unaltered.org, is that? Yeah, unaltered.org. We're uh, working on, you know, fixing up the website to get all the, the new the program posted and everything like that, and all the information will be active by the end of this, well, by May 1st. Yeah. So maybe right after this is out. So, um, but yeah, and then we're just going to be in that process. So yeah, also prayer for just that recruitment side yeah. and discernment, that, you know, that we have enough people that apply and that we're wise in selecting, because these are people then who will be living in community where... You know, chemistry is important, where calling is important, where all those kind of things is, you know, because sometimes it is true that one rotten egg can kind of ruin the bunch. Yeah. So oh, yeah. uh, just wisdom as we select those people and, and then just see it grow. I, as for, I don't, for those who haven't pieced it together, uh, Amy, my wife, is, you know, you're yeah. also, works at an altar and she's, yep. she's very involved in the whole process. So I, I'm. She's the glue, pretty much. She's, she's kind of, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't even know. We change her title every week as she just takes on more responsibility. Yeah, she's, she's executive assistant slash yeah. accounting slash accounts receivable bookkeeping. I heard the then, term CFO. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she's a little bit of that. She well, sometimes she mixes CFO and CEO, so sometimes she just calls herself that and calls me just the guy in the other room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I have, so I am very you know from on, a, from on a personal level very excited to to watch this and to to help out any way I can and. 
um, I'm thrilled to see where this is going. So this is Thank this you. is very exciting. Listen, I'm excited because I mean I'll be you know full disclosure here. I was not a super big fan of Silver Ring thing when I was in high school, mainly because I didn't feel like I needed someone to try to beat that into me because it right. wasn't my struggle. But I'm super. I mean it's taken me 30 minutes and I'm like, I'm in, right? So, because I feel like, I mean, this is this is where my heart's going, right? This is where, as I build a young family, you know, it, 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 which is what I want to do and, and the way that we're trying to build into high school students and where I want to see our church be and how our church can be involved. And, you know, I'm thinking about how can these kids come in and, and learn a little bit about youth ministry and serve our kids mm-hmm. for a little while. Like, Absolutely. you know, all these things to give them more exposure to these things and uh, the stuff that, got me on fire when I was looking at things as growing up. Like I just, it excites me. And honestly, I wish it was an opportunity that I would have had when I was 18 to 24 years old, right? You know, to figure out if there were mission opportunities for me that weren't just like the two or three that I really knew about. Right. Yeah, and and I think you know I got a friend right now whose daughter I think is uh, she's serving like in an orphanage somewhere overseas, and it's a great opportunity for her. She's either, she's there three or six months, I can't remember, but one thing she's gained from this is realizing like this is actually not where I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. enjoying it. It's not like it's not. You know, like she doesn't hate it, but she knows after being there, this is not. So it's not really. It's helped her cut check one thing off sure. the list, but there's still a million others. So. Sure. So again, I think I'm the same way. Like I, I think there are so many students now. You don't have to do a whole gap year. I think a 12 week kind of intensive helps you focus in, helps you get oriented, and then we're going to do a lot of work on the back end between the personnel profiling and all kinds of stuff to really help place people wisely. Mm. You know that I that proverb of you know train up a child in the way he should go. When he gets old, he won't stray from it. That's all about design. And so that's what we're teaching. You know, our, our mission statement is we believe conforming to God's unaltered design leads to fullness of life. Yeah. We're all going to conform to something. You're either conforming to the world or to the kingdom. So you're either going to conform to what Christ says and who he is, or you're going to go to the pattern of the world. So conforming to God's unaltered design leads to fullness of life. And that's fully what I believe. You know, it doesn't mean that everything's hunky-dory and that, you know, we're always going to be happy. It just means I have hope amidst the struggle. It means I can have joy when life is falling apart. It means that suffering I know ultimately produces perseverance and perseverance, hope, all those things. I mean, it's just really, it's what the Bible teaches. It gets back to in a time and a day when we say truth is relative, truth doesn't matter. We're, we're banking on the fact, no, there is absolute truth and authority found in the Word of God. And if it's in here, we're going to live by it. It's almost that simple. Yeah. I've got two two questions that we'll fall, that we'll, we'll wrap up with. First one's very simple. The second last one's maybe a little bit more drawn out. Um, number one, to be a fellow and does, does the, the people that are applying, does it cost anything for them? Yeah, so we're looking at um, it'd be about four hundred dollars a week. Okay, so forty eight hundred dollars for a twelve week term, and that includes that's going to include all your meals, all your lodging. Okay. It's also going to include a stipend. So we're going to basically pay back a hundred dollars a week on top of that. We, we ran kind of that model when we did it as, as unaltered, realizing that not hey, people not having to figure out their home situation, everything like that, it's all covered within it. It's going to include some of the program materials we're going to get for them, the travel, everything will be included. People can just pay that as if they're going to go to college or they can do fundraising. And so we'll help them with support raising and stuff along the way. So people who want to you know contribute money could go to the program as a whole or could even go to help sponsor a kid. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things we're going to want to do. We, I, I hate to ever say... You can't stay with us because you didn't raise enough money. Right, of course. Um, because some people, a lot of money, fundraising is really about capacity and it's about your network. Mm-hmm. Some people, $4,800, it's just, it's easy. Yeah. Others, you can give them a lifetime for it and depending on their background. So I'm going to be approaching, you know, people, whether it be 
foundations, boards to have scholarship and, and support because I don't want to ever see someone turned away because of that reason. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Yep. Uh, last question, and we'll, we'll end with this. What when 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 COVID hit and you guys shut down, what was it that said we should keep going? As you know, we'll, we'll go into suspension as opposed to let's just close our doors. Um, it was a I'm there was a lot of wise counsel there. I had some uh, board members who said it's not time to quit. Um, me personally, I I mentioned that 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 verse of you know no one takes new wine and puts it in an old wineskin. Hmm. Um, I God's hand was so clear to me in transitioning to become unaltered. There's so many like literally like miraculous things that happened that I can't even ex- explain. So I knew I, I felt confident and certain that that was the change we were supposed to make. And I felt equally confident that God didn't allow us to go through all of that. Then just to say, you know, 15 months later, okay, yeah. it's done. So That's I just I banked on that of knowing like, okay, there was a, this, believe me, I, I'm not a very, I'm a pretty risk averse person. Okay. I'm not a big <laughs> risk taker, honestly. And our whole organization was geared, geared toward event ministry, marketing, promotions, communication, the back end receding, all that kind of stuff. I've known for a while that that model was dying. I could have, I, I didn't have the heart to kill it because hmm. it's people. I, I couldn't ever let go of the people that were there. I love the people. It was like a family. I would have, I would have provided over the ship sinking into the ground. Right. COVID came and killed it. And as I got the process through that time, I ultimately saw the blessing that God said, you couldn't, for your particular ministry, ever found the new wineskin had I not killed the yeah. old one. So, so in, your, in your sense, COVID was the blessing that the ministry yeah. needed to yeah. like relaunch in the way, like, the way that it truly needed to relaunch, not just rebrand and a new name, right. but relaunch in a way that had new purpose, new vision, you know, and was a fresh new thing that unaltered in a way. I mean, listen, it's it's sad, and there was a lot of uh, you know a lot of great that Silver Ring thing did, but now unaltered is a is a ministry birthed out of that. Yep. But is is yeah, truly and something new and, and exciting and different. Exactly. Unaltered initially was just kind of an extension of Silver Ring thing. It was the same model. It was and it, and it was I mean it was is cost heavy. I mean, you think about trucks and equipment and traveling all over the country and all the insurance and tolls yeah. and gas. I mean, there was a lot of costs. Anytime someone does outreach event ministry, it's very, very expensive. Now, it produced a harvest like crazy. I mean, 20% of kids that came to Silvering Thing and Unaltered Events would, would commit their lives to Jesus. Not just raising him, but like physically coming forward, filling out a car, we'd follow up with them. Now, some of them fall away. You know, we the story of the soils and the seeds. Like, not sure. all of them produced the crop a hundredfold, but many did. And so it was a vibrant ministry to that effect. It really was a ministry that used sex to preach the gospel. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but again, that model was not going to, it wasn't sustainable any longer. And so, yeah, by God's grace, I, I, I saw the, the blessing in it, and that allowed me just to be patient and wait, because I knew we're not done yet. Yeah, That's why we liquidated a lot of stuff, with the event equipment, things like that. But right from the beginning, God said, don't you touch that bus. That bus has thousands of miles left to go on yeah. it. And so it's ready to go. Yeah. Amy said that was a big thing. He's like, we can't get rid of the bus. Nope. God still has a plan to use for the bus. And so. I knew that from day one. We we got we sold LED walls. We got rid of all the other stuff. But that bus has still got a lot of miles to go. And I can't wait to see all the miles it collects. Thank you. <laughs> Jason, thanks for, thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for uh, kind of opening up about... Uh, Pittsburgh and the the big church and and your plan for unaltered ministries. I'm I'm very excited to see where this goes. Thanks. It's awesome to be here. I love what you guys are doing. This is 
really, really cool. I wish more more churches would do it. It's only success. It's only as successful as the people that are willing to take the time to talk to us, honestly. Yeah. And so I'm just excited for people to hear what's new for you guys, and um, you know, to to show up. You know, obviously, this will hopefully launch actually after you've you know officially launched. So just reinforce you know, everything that you got in the pipeline. You can, you can honestly, you can say, Hey, for those interested in more information, check out this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but thanks so much, Jason. This has been yeah, great. Really you. appreciate it. Thank you.